welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And we are back, and we are broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas, Georgetown, Texas, to be more accurate. Julie, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you. It's a pleasure, as always, to be here. And I'm really looking forward to today's show because it's all very applicable. And some of the things we're going to talk about, agents may turn red blushing that they are guilty of. Others of them might get a good chuckle because they've dealt with it with other agents. So it should be a fun show. Well, it's a fun show because it's fun content to present. It's lighthearted. We're keeping things kind of good-natured on Friday. I'm sure all of you guys, well, I shouldn't say all, most of you have had a very uh, hard-working, focused week, and maybe you're looking forward to some sales this weekend. You're looking forward to some listing appointments. So we're going to keep today fun, lighthearted, and hopefully, oh, dare I say, a tad introspective. Don't worry, it won't hurt. So, Julie, before right. we jump in, anything from your radio or from your radio show, from your uh, coaching calls this week, or more specifically yes. today, that you want to share with us? Yeah, because there's a lot of stuff happening in the marketplace, isn't there? I'm seeing a lot of shifts happening. What are you saying? Uh, absolutely, and I also see a lot of our coaching clients being particularly proactive and being very coachable and getting great results. So I have a quick story, if you'd like me to share that, from one of our coaching clients, Gina, who, uh, Gina Finsilver, she is in South Florida. So for all of your South Florida referrals, ask us, and we, we love to hook you guys up with each other, and that's why we also have that Facebook page that I'm sure Tim you'll mention. Um, but if you don't mind, I'd like to share Gina's victory story. Of course, of course, of course. All right, perfect. And I had her actually write this out because it's uh, very interesting. All right, so this is from Gina in South Florida. She was working with a particular buyer last week, and every home she showed to him was too close to another home, too big, too small, not the right community. The sun wasn't facing the right way. You name it, it wasn't right for him. And I'm sure all of you guys can relate. So he continued to reminisce about the house that got away a few years ago. It was facing the right direction. It was everything he wanted. After a long day with him talking about the house that he lost, I thought I'd go online to the community and select the homes that had a rear-facing pool facing south, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so before doing that, uh, they looked. she looked, and here's the proactive part, because we've coached you guys to do this on several radio shows. She got into the MLS to see what had expired and or canceled that has the exposure that he wanted. Sure enough, there were two that met his criteria. She sent both of them to him, and he said, bingo, that's the exact home that he wanted and that he didn't buy several years ago. So the expired that Gina found was actually, quote, the one that got away. Okay. Now, the seller had canceled the listing in December. He said, get the appointment. She has since put them together. The buyer took a look and agreed to a price of nine fifty. Okay, but all conditioned upon finding another home for that seller. So Gina not only found the one that got away for her buyer, but also created a new buyer who is going to spend seven seventy-five. Okay, so now they're in counteroffer. She's putting them together. The other good news is the homeowner she con- contacted on the canceled listing is a property investor who also buys tons of property. So now she's struck a good relationship and knows that you know she's just demonstrated she goes the extra mile for her clients. It's an easy call. So when you know the neighborhood, call expired and canceled listings. To be continued from Gina. Yeah, well, that's like, I mean, 
just if, assuming, you know, just off the surface, that's like forty five, fifty thousand dollars for the commission mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, we did figure that's that not out. Too bad. It's a minimum of forty five. Yep. <laughs> right, and that's and that's just for making essentially one expired call. That is a good return <laughs> on investment. <laughs> I'm telling you, right? Okay, so I well, gave you know, Gina lots of kudos for being proactive and doing that type of extra work. If you're only using the MLS, you're not going far enough. So you mentioned the Facebook group. Um, yes, guys, if you're existing coaching students, obviously, uh, Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching request access to the Facebook group and we'll get you in there. It is starting to gain momentum. And actually, Julie, there were some other stories from other coaching clients sharing similar victories. You know, so mm-hmm. here's the flip side to that. Most of the We, we had a series of calls recently of radio show uh, topics where we're talking about how to create your own inventory. We talked about home seller mm-hmm. seminars. We talked about some of the unconventional things, uh, uh, ways you can go after uh, listings. We did a call specifically on how to create your own inventory. Um, I think that was Monday or Tuesday. So if you're missing any of our past radio shows, make sure you go back and listen to them on Real Estate Coaching Radio. But there's an interesting little you know, dichotomy, again, that's happening in the marketplace. You look at Houston, Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. I had several calls this week with our coaching clients down there, and guess what we're discovering? The market down in Houston is completely turning, for the most part, in most parts of Houston, for the worse. Why? Because oil, the price of oil, is now basically been, uh, it's fallen, and it's believed to be in the uh, less than $50 uh, per uh, barrel price range, um, and it's going to be in that price range many believe, for an extended amount of time. Well, it's good for all of us who buy gas. I mean, it's good for anyone who has a gas-guzzling car. It's you know, good for the economy on a whole. But for a lot of the local markets in Houston, Julie, they're starting to enter in. I know you have clients down there, too, and I've helped a lot of our coaches uh, in the past couple of weeks getting their clients to realize that the market's shifting. You know, yeah. So in those particular markets, they're entering into what's going to feel like good old-fashioned recession. So how do you know what direction your market's going? Know the market stats. And we did a radio show on that yesterday or the day before. The bottom line is, is days on the market extending, uh, list to sell price ratio increasing. Um, you know, know what direction the market's going. But in Houston in particular, Houston agents, please hear my voice. Your market is shifting. and It's going sh- to absolutely positively shift in profound ways. And if you have sellers that are sitting on the fence and for some you know, uneducated reason believing that they should wait another 60 to 90 days before they actually start uh, putting their uh, property for sale. Oh, we're going to wait to the spring market. That is pretty much the worst timing. Uh, there, you're going to see in Houston a huge increase. I mean, I don't need to scare. I don't mean to scare anyone, but at the same time, I want to scare you so you guys realize this is not going to just be a little pebble in the road. You're going to go into, like I said, not in every market in Houston. But your Houston on a whole is going to be suffering big time because of all the layoffs. You know, right. I was making an assumption. I was I I should have uh, held uh, um, uh, not have assumed that folks were understanding that Houston is basically full of uh, businesses that are dependent on the oil and gas industry. So in case you guys didn't That's make right. that bridge, there it is. So yeah, well, I mean, depending Tim, on where I'm you, hearing it, uh, Oklahoma City as well, because it's not just you know it's not just like what you picture in your mind, guys working on oil rigs. It's the businesses that support those businesses that are also affected. So heard it from Oklahoma City. Um, you know, I don't there's been a kind of a boom in North Dakota. They are probably being affected as well. So they are. You know, yep. To your point, how do you know whether that's happening around you? Maybe you personally haven't worked with a gas or oil executive, but you live in that surrounding area 
you know, know your numbers. You're going to see it. If you study your numbers, you'll see what's happening before it's too late. So we know that basically 90% of everybody that's in real estate um, wasn't in business five years ago. In other words, they weren't in real estate five years ago. This industry has a, a churn rate that is staggeringly high. But, you know, if you look at it in a broader sense and compared to other, um, you know, small businesses, it's not that far out of check. In other words, most uh, small businesses have a similar failure rate. And if you really drill down and ask yourself, why is it real estate, you know, real estate agents, why do they fail? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. Oh, yes, I know we're supposed to be motivational. We're supposed to be talking to you guys about things that will motivate you. And here I'm using the word failure. But the, the reality of it is, is unless you really think about um, where you might be going wrong, you're not going to know where to go right. So when it comes to the specific areas in a real estate agent's business uh, where they fail, there's some obvious answers. And Julie and I have put together today's radio show, and it's called Moments of Truth. Now, again, these moments of truth are designed to make you laugh uh, and maybe make you a little bit introspective, but mostly what we're wanting you to do uh, is decide where you're going to make some changes. Because at the end of the day, the real estate industry, what you're doing now, most of you, I'd say probably 90% of our 100,000 listeners are uh, real estate agents. Well, so that's great. Um, and you are, you've chosen an incredible business to be in. You've incre uh, chosen an incredible industry. It, you know, it's funny, Julie, uh, you talk to a lot of people, you come across a lot of folks, you read a lot of things. Everyone always says, well, if I was ever in the right place at the right time, mm -hmm. you know, then I would basically have all the stars aligned and all my dreams would come true. Well, right. what if you were to accept the fact that you are in the right place at the right time at this very moment? What if right now, at this very moment, as you're listening to Julie and I prepare to present you these kind of fun points, uh, if you didn't say, I'm going to look forward to being in the right place at the right time, what if you were to say to yourself, I am in the right place at the right time. At this very moment in my life, I'm exactly where I should be, doing exactly what I should be doing, and everything is in perfect alignment for me to make this the best uh, you know, 10, 20 years, 30 years beyond of my life. Maybe this is the opportunity that I've heard other people bemoaning not having. And this is what I, and because of this incredible real estate recovery that I'm part of, even if you are in Houston, there's markets, regardless, you know, opportunities, regardless of what direction the market's going. Please don't you know, misunderstand what I was trying to say. Um, you can make actually, you know, just as much, if not more money, as the market's going down, as if the market's going up. That's the nice thing about what we do. Getting back to my point, is this industry is a blessing uh, or it can be a curse. It just depends on how you treat it. It depends on how you think of it. Um, and on this radio show, our goal has always been to give you guys a lot of, I, hopefully you'll agree, helpful coaching on, a, on how to keep your head screwed on straight so you can make the most of this real estate recovery. You know, a lot of you long-time listeners will know that we've been saying that we're at the very beginning stages of real estate recovery. When we start saying that, guys, 18 months ago, 24 months ago. And I also went as far as to say that we we're in a long-term real estate recovery that was going to be seven to 10 years. Uh, now, what are you guys seeing everywhere? From the pulpits of all the real estate, uh, you know, big real estate events that are happening this time of year, every article you read, everyone's basically saying the same thing. Now, did they hear us say it? And is that the reason they're saying it? Probably not. But what's happening is, is the economists are finally basically saying, yes, real estate goes in cycles. And one of those cycles, one of those super cycles in real estate has already started. It started arguably in 2014 
um, across the country. There are certainly absent, you know, fits and starts across the country in different markets. But we are in right now the very beginning stages. This is like the first, arguably the second year of what's going to be at least a seven to ten year real estate boom. It's going to feel ever increasingly uh, powerful. You're going to have more momentum. But at the same time, you can be in this market right now, hearing my words, and not take the right actions. Or even worse, you can be a skeptic and say, well, this isn't it. This is not my opportunity. And then you're going to let another decade get by you. So shift your mindset to accept the fact that this is the right place at the right time for you. And then decide what you're going to do to make the most of it. And one of the things that we hopefully help you to accomplish when uh, deciding what path to go on is from one of our free coaching calls. And you need to go to free coaching calls, it's plural, free coaching calls for agents.com, free coaching calls for agents.com. Oh, a shout out to our sponsors over at Mojo Sells. A lot of great feedback on them this week, Julie. I know you're hearing it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, agents who are, you know, over the phone prospecting, who are doing solid lead generation absolutely rant and rave about Mojo Cells. So if you're not a subscriber to Mojo Cells yet, you definitely want to jump on board with that. They're fantastic. They're one of the few companies, Julie, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked, we have well over a thousand uh, coaching clients and they're one of the few coaching or one of the few companies that are in the business of selling stuff to realtors that I never hear anything bad about. So check out MojoSells.com. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. So Jules, let's just jump in and have some fun with these mm-hmm. points. Okay. So, we, we call this moments of truth, and I think that, if I recall correctly, I originally heard this concept at a Howard Brinton uh, event, and we have lived this. Our coaching clients are coached on this. This is important stuff, and there are 16 particulars on this. Some of them we'll talk about quicker than others, but moments of truth. So what's a moment of truth? A moment of truth is when somebody has a little snapshot of something that you've presented, you've done, you've said. It could be visual. It could be something you're talking about. But it's that 30-second judgment call that somebody makes. It's a moment of truth where they make that, whether it's conscious or subconscious, and they say, you know what, that person's authentic. That person is real. Or they go, you know what, what a flaky person. I mean, I can't believe I'm actually seeing that and anywhere in between. So that's a moment of truth. So let's jump into this, Tim. Let's start with seriously basic stuff that can make all the difference. Number one is your business card. So have you guys ever gotten a business card from a fellow agent and it's not one phone number or two phone numbers. It's like 17 numbers. This is my voicemail. This is my office voicemail, my home voicemail. And I'll tell you, I've even had instances where I was interviewing a potential coaching client. And when I call their voicemail, I call their number, I hit voicemail, and that voicemail says, if you're hitting this voicemail, you need to call this number. So you call that number. And then that voicemail is full. It's like, are you kidding me? And then, and of course, the topic of the call is what? I don't have enough leads. Yeah, it's Like, really? Exactly. Check your voicemail. <laughs> okay. Well, so my, my, that's the my favorite. Go ahead. My favorite business card uh, faux pas is when they have all the letters after their names. Oh, that's my gosh. That's the one I love. Yeah. As if I mean, homeowners so have any clue what that is, right? Exactly. I mean, let's be honest. The designations are great for education, but the designations don't mean bunk to buyers and sellers. I hate the word consumers, so I try to avoid saying right. it. I mean, when, when we all mm-hmm. become consumers, I just think that term just makes yeah. my teeth itch. But in any event, yeah. homeowners, right, buyers and sellers. So those designations don't mean anything to them. So why do you put the designations on your cards? Oh, I know why, to impress other realtors. So think about that. I mean, if you've got all these letters after your name, why are you doing that? Is it because 
you're trying to convince somebody that you are an authority, you know the way you convince somebody that you are an authority is actually being authority and proving it because your sold sign is in their yards. That's the reality of it. So, you know, the business cards is a really basic thing. Now, uh, Julie's about to get to the next point. It's a fun one, too. Um, Mm -hmm. But as far as all the marketing collateral goes, uh, that would be your business cards, your website, and all your citation sites. A citation site is like LinkedIn, it's like Facebook, any place where you have a profile. It's important you guys remember that your profile information has to be consistent throughout. So have the same picture on all your different citation sites. I would guess that 99% of you are guilty of committing this sin. Uh, Again, same picture throughout. Make it a professional picture. Same description, literally the same copy. Cut and paste it from each citation site. And again, please be clear, a citation site is just merely a place where you put a profile. A Pinterest, where you set up an account, put a profile, that's a citation site. Why is that stuff important? Because as you guys know, folks are really addicted to Googling, and they're going to research you know, the local markets. They might even research you individually. And the way that Google will see that this, the, you know, the Julie Harris on LinkedIn is the same Julie Harris on Facebook, which is the same Julie Harris on all these other sites, is uh, because all the citation site information is the same. Carry that same concept over to every piece of marketing collateral, collateral you have. Use the same fonts on your business card that are on your website. Use the same colors. Keep everything very consistent. It's very easy to believe that, oh, I'm a designer. No, you're not. Okay? So count on folks that have already done this before. Um, if you're ready to have a conversation about setting your marketing up, if you're ready to have a conversation uh, about all this stuff, just request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. We'll get you pointed in the right direction. All right, point number two. Your handshake. What does a handshake tell? I mean, Julie, you're a you know lovely, uh, demure gal, right? And so, aren't you, weren't you kind of raised? We're from Ohio. Weren't you kind of raised to be told to shake uh, you know a hand a certain way? Isn't there a whole yeah. cultural thing about this handshake thing? Tell me about that. There is, and I I think that you uh, hit a good point because I do think that it's a little bit more challenging for women because you want to be ladylike but you also don't want to be blown off as a non-business person. So you want to have – it's funny. Sometimes we do this at live events where we do a handshake practice, as as primitive as that sounds as a coaching technique. You know, there's like – there's some that I have nicknamed, right? So there's like the wet fish. A lot of women do that. Like they don't think they're supposed to actually grip your hand. So what message that, – that sends the message you're kind of weak. So you don't want to do the wet fish thing. Then there's a lot of men that do the bone crusher. Like, I don't know whether they don't know their own strength or whether they're doing it on purpose, but I'm not looking to have every finger in my hand crushed by somebody, okay? So that's the opposite. That's too extreme. So you want a quick, firm handshake. Now, there's other, and there's people, books have been written on this. Um, you'll see politicians sometimes shake the hand and turn it over. That's a power play. You have uh, handshakes where you'll put your other hand on top of their hand. That's kind of a bonding handshake. You might do that with a past client. That, so, by the way, is a really yeah. that that by the way, guys, is a really good one. If you've ever noticed mm-hmm. the one Julie just said, where you're shaking hands and you put your like if you're right-handed, you're shaking their right hand, and then you put your left hand over them. That's something that um, has the same effect of, of establishing some level of confidence and authority, if not a little of dominance, but at the same time, it's also very nurturing. So there's another mm-hmm. little, that's something you guys want to keep in mind. But again, the handshake thing, like Julie said, you can research this until the cows come home, 
But it is kind of funny if you were to actually ask yourself, how is your handshake? Is it kind of weak and lacking confidence? Subconsciously, what happens is the person you're shaking hands with, they're going to perceive that you're weak and have no confidence, and they're not going to want to do business with you. They're not going to say, oh, I'm not choosing to do business with Bob because he had a you know, wimpy handshake. They're saying, you know that Bob, he just seemed a little, I don't know, he just seemed a little, a little not off. 100% on, yeah. <laughs> you see, these things matter. So point number three and this is one that's always fun. You guys can embrace this one, too, because you've had to deal with the same problems we have with regards to voicemail. So let's talk about that, Julie. Okay, so first of all, one of the things that got me on this topic was talking to one of our great assistants, Sarah, who had sent me a chat. I had asked her what uh, some common requests were, and she said, well, I don't know about common requests, but I'll tell you what they need. <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> she said, they need help on their voicemail. And I said, oh, well, I know we do this this." Uh, talk about moments of truth. And she said, well, let me tell you what I've been hearing. So her favorite example was a Leonard Skinner recording that came on before oh, the God. message. Okay, real professional, right? Um, other examples, having your kids leave the message, okay, which is cute, but you probably can't understand what in the world they're saying, and you're not sure if you called a daycare or the right person. Um, so this really makes a big difference, your voicemail. And Sarah's other example, and I'm not necessarily totally against this, but where it's, they say, I'll be returning calls between 1 and 2 and then between 6 and 7 tonight. But she said the issue with that is if they go on and on and give an over-detailed schedule. I don't need to know when you're eating lunch, right? So there's a lot of variety of really terrible voicemail out there. Uh, we talk about voicemail when we teach the personality styles, too. So a driver voicemail is, you know the drill, click. Well, it'd kind of be nice to know that I had reached the right agent that I'm trying to reach out to, and I might just keep on dialing till I find somebody that sounds friendlier. You've got the overly amiable types where they have every child that they have leave a message, and then they say that they're the Smith family. So your driver types will get impatient with that and hang up. So what do you want? You want to clearly state that they have reached the person that they are reaching. Please leave a detailed message where I can reach you. If you want to say, if you're calling after business hours, leave me a message where I can reach you in the morning. I think that's helpful, especially those of you who are dealing with lots of negotiation right now. But do not have anything that is non-business-like. And you guys, well, I know, know what I mean because you listen to it from each other when you're doing your deals. So here would be a fair example, right? Thank you for calling. You've reached Tim Harris with ABC Real Estate. If you're calling during, if you're calling after business hours, or if you're calling on the weekends or after normal business hours, please leave the name and number where I can reach you during normal business hours. Um, and during during the week, I return all calls within 15 or 20 minutes. Some version of that, basically, where you're setting the expectation to Julie's point that mm -hmm. if it's after whatever you deem to be normal business hours or on the weekend, that they shouldn't expect an immediate return call. But the point is, is keep it simple. Keep it direct, keep it to the point. And those of you who have a bunch of phone numbers, there's so many cool technologies out there that you guys can use. Well, I think uh, uh, Google Voice, I think, is one. Mm -hmm. But there's so many different systems that you can subscribe to to send all your phone numbers to a very organized, professional-sounding um, system. So another thought for you is make sure that the phone number that you guys have is uh, on your business cards, obviously all your normal places, but do yourself a favor and have that be a phone number that you control. In other words, like, you know, it's your phone number. You own the phone number. Uh, because if your, you know, broker decides, if you move town, across town or if you decide to change brokers or if your broker decides to, you know, go out of business or whatever, right, you don't want to lose um, the folks that have stored your phone number 
in their cell phones, in their directories. So you need to control your phone number. Your phone number as a real estate practitioner is an asset. In states like Ohio, where we used to sell real estate, the agent, um, the broker's phone number has to be whatever is deemed to be more prominent than the agent's phone number unassigned. Ideally, you want one phone number. Ours was 614-846-0500. That was our real estate phone number. I remember that from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, the way we, and again, in Ohio, that phone number had to be technically owned by the broker. No problem. So what we did is we called up the phone company and we asked for the broker's name to be printed on the invoice. So it was technically the broker's phone number. So it would say, for example, ABC Real Estate, Tim and Julie Harris. The phone company had no problem doing that whatsoever. No big deal. They don't care. They still got paid by us, and it was ours and ours our phone number, and it became an asset of the company. Uh, maybe you guys decide to retire. Maybe you decide to, you know, as you mentioned North Dakota. Uh, you know, maybe you're deciding to relocate to a warmer climate where there is no winter. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is that you're in. Yes, John, I'm thinking of you. So, you know, whatever it is that you know, that phone number then becomes the source of future referrals. When the referral comes in. Uh, to John up in North Dakota, and he's already relocated to, say, for example, Austin, Texas, or Florida, or wherever else, if he moves, he'll be able to still send those referrals off to other local agents and still get paid on those. So the phone number is important. That's a little side note for all of you guys who are in the process of uh, taking your businesses to the next level. Now, the next point um, is obviously really critical. It's how quickly you return calls. Mm -hmm. Now, we call it furiously fast lead follow-up, but also, returning calls to anybody else, even after your deal's in contract, but the folks that you absolutely positively want to give priority to are what? Your new prospects and your sellers, okay? And then, you know, ideally your buyer clients too. But all the other types of phone, uh, phone calls you get, maybe those don't have such a priority in your life, but how quickly you return phone calls, especially when uh, agents are being interviewed. A lot of times you guys are in markets now where you're being compared, even if you did have a personal relationship with that seller, you're, being, uh, you're competing for the first time, many of you, in your, in your careers with sometimes two and three other agents. Well, one of the fun things to say, assuming you did return their phone call urgently, assuming you did adopt the mantra of furiously fast lead follow-up, is when you're sitting at the table with the sellers and you're talking to them about how important lead follow-up is to you, it's always kind of fun to ask, so when you called me about listing your home, how long did it take for me to call you back? Well, out of curiosity, you know, one minute, two minutes, so out of curiosity, when you called the other agents to interview them for the job of selling your home, how long did it take for them to call you back? Or how many people did you need to go through? Or how many voicemails did you need to leave? Well, Mr. Seller, imagine if you were a prospective buyer interested in purchasing your house, that would be the experience your prospective buyers would have. Do you want your buyers to be able to get hold of me immediately or have to go through this long you know, phone tree or maybe not even get a call back the same day? So these little things give you a competitive advantage. All right, point number five, Julie. Point number five is your picture. Oh, boy, this is kind of a black hole, right? So you should actually look like the same person when you show up that they saw when they Googled you and or the same person that they saw in your pre-listing package pictures, in your business card pictures, the last time they saw you if they're a past client. Ideally, you are the same agent they think you are, not your picture that looks like it was your high school photo from 1978 just because you were 40 pounds lighter then. Okay? And they wonder, are you this person's assistant or are you you? So be careful with your pictures, guys. And So the first line is look like how you look, whether that's a hairstyle issue or something else. 
Secondly is make sure your pictures are professional but approachable. Some of these agent pictures I've seen, Tim, I know you've noticed it too. It's like they're so serious. It's like are they running a funeral parlor or are they selling real estate? It's like looking at Mortimer or something. So look approachable or you might not get the call. What if they're picking up your information from an open house and they can't remember one agent from the next, but they're flipping through business cards? Actually look like someone you'd want to do business with. Make sense, Tim? But you know, it's funny. Well, absolutely. But you know, the truth is, is that you can do the traditional sort of headshot wearing a suit or wearing a nice, you know, outfit, whatever. You can do a picture like that. But in your market, um, depending on in the nature of it, you don't have to do a picture like that. You could have almost like an informal I'll, – I'll tell you the best agent websites, photos, agents that are doing the best marketing nowadays, what I see them doing is they'll hire a professional photographer, someone who is like a fashion photographer, not somebody that's necessarily just based – you're not just going to show up at a studio and sit on a stool and with some fake backdrops. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about a wedding photographer either. I'm talking about somebody – and there's lots of people that do this – uh, just go and search out, hit Google, right, and then do a search for somebody that can do pictures of you that are in your environment while you're walking, while you're, um, you know, while you're with clients. There, were, I had one client. And this was a really great idea in New York City. Who they literally had a photographer follow them. Now they knew the photographer was following them for a day, as if they were a um, paparazzi. And so the pictures that they have. Or some of them were black and white, some of them were color, but they were showing them like walking on Fifth Avenue, stopping off at this cafe, meeting with clients. I mean, the whole thing was contrived, right? No big deal. But the fact is, the quality of the pictures had this sort of, uh, you know, they they were fantastic, and they made the and they put the person, this agent, in the environment in which they wanted to be positioned in the minds of their prospective clients. And it was just ideal. You know, here they are with their dog at Central Park, and here they are. You guys get the it idea. Was real. So you can, right, it was real. So some of you guys are thinking, well, this stuff, you know, how much does this stuff matter? Initially, um, as you're building your business, it doesn't matter that much because, you know, as we teach all of you guys in our coaching programs, the initial spokes you, you have on your wheel, those aren't that dependent on this type of thing. But as you scale your business and some of our top producers, this stuff becomes more and more important. You know, as you add staff, as you add, uh, you know, more volume, as you're wanting to create more uh, lead generation uh, spokes that are more passive opposed to proactive, and you only do that after your first spokes are really strong, well, that's when all this stuff uh, starts coming into play. And that's when you do almost start considering yourself as, I hate this word, but there it is, almost like a brand. So, you know, you become, um, you know, I'm thinking of like – Madison Hildebrand, right? You guys know he's one of our superstars. He used to be on uh, the Bravo TV show Selling LA. Well, he made himself into a brand. You can go to his website. Uh, I think it's uh, MalibuLife.com or something like that. And you can see basically the types of pictures that he had taken. Now, those might be a little extreme on the fashion side, but at least you get a concept of what we're thinking about. And it doesn't matter really what you look like or how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're not supermodel material or not. The reality of it is is the more candid, lifelike pictures are going to be the things that resonate the, with folks because they can see that you're real. And they can say, hey, I know, you know, there's Julie. She's at the park I go to every Sunday. I'm, you, know, you see what happens is they start building these bonds with you psychologically, and that's the type of thing that you need to do if you want to take your business to the next level. So we have more points to go over, and I guess we'll be talking about this more on Monday. Julie, anything else you'd like to say to these guys before we sign off? No, I, I mean, honestly, I think this should be your checklist for work that you're taking a look at between now and the next time you hear from us. These are easy things to correct, shouldn't cost you very much money to do. 
and might currently be costing you the difference between being the agent that somebody works with and being the next in line or not in line at all. So it does matter. And as you're going through your business on a day-to-day basis, just have that thought, moments of truth. What That's is somebody right. hearing so we'll when they this, hit your voicemail? Yeah, go ahead. We'll pick, this to- we'll pick this topic up on Monday. In the meantime, if you guys need anything for your businesses, if you've not fully embraced the fact that we're in a real estate recovery, and if you are not experiencing that in your own economy, if your own real estate business isn't taking off, you need to do yourself a favor and request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Remember, guys, you can always email Julie and I directly if you ever need any special help. Um, now, most times we're going to try to get back with you, but my private email address is Harris at gmail.com, and Julie's is Harris at gmail.com. But the easiest way is to get help the fastest is just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. All of you have a fantastic weekend, and we'll talk with you on Monday. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.